Hi, I'm back. And I've been outed. Uh, yeah, I don't want to just... Um, I, I, like I said, I've, I've been around a long time um, at this point. And I've, church is more important than just kind of plug it in for stupid sermons that anyone could hear at any point. Can I get an amen? So I have the opportunity to be here for a little while it's in this really great season for you guys. So I want to honestly take it seriously. Um, and uh, if, if you're new, uh, I'm like the cousin from the other side of the bay. Um, and uh, so I'm part of the family, but like I mostly do visiting. And um, sometimes I bring the right snack, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's just a bag of Doritos. But, uh, but you like Doritos, uh, don't we all? Um, and what I've been doing, which is what we'll do this morning, is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I read the Bible a lot. I teach a ton. Uh, I, I write books and tell stories and music. I can bring a bunch of stuff to the table. But what I've learned over the course of a literal quarter century of like doing ministry, full-time music, church, etc., cetera, uh, is content when when authors or musicians or like retreat people like they talk about the content um like sometimes what they mean is like you know they've written a book or they have some thing and that, that, that that's the content what i've come to believe is what real content is is the ongoing ever-present conversation between people and god that's what content is so what's happening in you as a person is what real content is. What I get to bring is maybe like a tool of some kind. Um, it's born out of the content of my life. Uh, but if it has a value, it's not what I do. It doesn't have a whole lot of intrinsic value. It has relational value. So yeah, I read the Bible and I have particular kind of movements, interpretations of what's going on in the scripture. But what I've learned is way more enjoyable, way more fun, and oftentimes more fruitful is that we get into the text together. Can I get it, amen? Uh, and we discern the voice, the movement, the prodding of the Spirit of God together as a group. Um, and so what I'm going to do this morning, which we've been doing, is we're going to get into a text. We're going to read through it three times. I'll need uh, three volunteers in a second. So just... The, like if you're someone who when I said volunteers like you went <laughs> if that was you let that settle for a moment because it's probably your turn um, <laughs> and we'll read through it three times uh, it can take a little while uh, but the Bible is worth the time we spend on it can I get an amen uh, I, like I like that a lot like it's really easy to just be a just hit, hit, let's read the text and get through the reading so they can get on to the other stuff and like, man, there's just so much more to the Bible than I let on uh, and that I allow. And so we're going to read through it. It takes a little while. Three different readings from three different people. And then we're going to have a little conversation about what the Bible is stirring in you. What did you hear? What did you see? What is God saying to us? What's God saying to you? Uh, and then I've got some things generally that I come prepared with and we might get around to them. Some of them have to do with Legos. Uh, I brought my son, this is my son Asa. You wave to the people for a second. That's my dude. Uh, he's my nine-year-old. Uh, I did not, this wasn't actually entirely planned. When I, when I, there's this Lego story that I was thinking about telling when I was here uh, that I didn't know uh, he was gonna be here for, but like that way, if I get in the middle of the story and I exaggerate, he can be like, um, that part's not true. So um, it's called accountability. So I need three volunteers uh, to read this morning's 
text. It's four frames on the screen. You'll read it from up here so you don't have to have your Bible in front of you. And it's much larger text uh, than normal. Uh, so I need three volunteers. One, two, and I need and three. Fantastic. So we'll go, go in that order first. And then we'll just kind of let it sit for a second. Second reading, kind of pay attention. Is there a word, is there a phrase that jumps out at you? Is it stir something like a specific question in you? What happens in you? Like we'll pay attention to that. We'll set, settle into that for a second. And then we'll have a third reading and then we'll have a little bit of a conversation. And we're going to start with the microphone. That way the, these readings end up on the podcast as well. By all means, go ahead. Acts 1, 12 to 28. I, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus, He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Ekeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with, one, with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Bersabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you, have known, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. So just sit on that for a second. Was there a word, a phrase? Was there a moment that jumped out at you? Was there a question that came up? Was there some point of inspiration? And in a few moments, we'll have our second reading from the front. I'll take the microphone over there. We'll come back around to it after our third reading. Oh, I promise. So hold on to that. Acts 1, through, uh, Acts 1, 12 through 28. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together 
constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language a Kaldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may this place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. And once again, just sort of let it sit in your head. Was there a question? Was there a word? There was a phrase? Does it speak to something specifically going on in your life? And in a few moments, we'll have our third reading, and then we'll talk about it. Acts 1, 12 through 28. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With a payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with, his, with us in his resurrection. 
So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. Which Judas left to go where he belongs? Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. What did you hear that stood out to you? What stirred in your heart? Was there a question? Was there an inspiration? Did it speak to a specific thing happening in your life? What happened in you? What did you hear, see, feel, think? What moved in you? Right here. Mary, <clears throat> Mary was there with Jesus' brothers. It sounds like they're implying literal brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Of which, of which James would have been one. There's a bunch of... We'll, we'll come over here in a second. There's a bunch of conversation or has been about... Uh, whether or not Jesus had biological siblings. And there's a bunch in the New Testament that seems to imply that he did, including that verse. So this is the first time I've ever heard, or remember hearing about, like, we need to find a replacement for Judas. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, he's gone, and so now we got to elect somebody to replace him. So that was a whole kind of new aspect I never thought about. Yeah, and it's a strange notion, right? I mean, what a weird moment it would have been for them to be like, "Welp, <laughs> yeah." So that guy, and what now? And then the way they go about it, <laughs> like, uh, "Yep, you." Like, <laughs> yeah. it's good. Uh, who else over here? What I noticed was what you were just talking about—the the need to find new leadership right. and how we all deal with decision-making and how difficult that can be. And, and I just like their example. I think casting lots was kind of common in those days. Mm -hmm. So it was a practical thing possibly, but how they just prayed and then trusted that God was in the practical application of how they chose. And you asked us to think of how it applied to our life. And I just thought of this whole process our church is going through and finding new leadership. Yeah. And um, how we just, we've been praying and we're trusting that God is, is answering those prayers and we're yeah. trusting the pastor search team is practically doing the work. And, you know, it just, it just seems like yeah. it's a very rel relate, relatable kind of circumstance right now. Absolutely. And, it's, and so they had, like, there were particular metrics. So it wasn't, it wasn't just like, well, put everyone's name on the, and throw a dart. Right. Like, I mean, there's not that that's that far off, but they like there were particular like this had to be someone who was around for a while and apparently had to be someone who was in some way, shape or form a witness to the resurrection. We don't know exactly how that worked with Matthias. You know, historically that he was a, there's some record of Matthias after this moment, but there's not much record of Matthias being around before them. But apparently he was a witness to the resurrection. And then they broke the story bullet down. We don't know exactly how they got down to the two of them. It was Bersabbas and Matthias. But then at that point, they're like, Duh, I don't know. Which is like, that's always a moment. Can I get an amen? Like, is this going to work out? You don't know. So... They it's like a, it, if you're casting lots with two people, it's literally it's 50-50, like a coin flip. Like, and you are called by the Lord. Like, that's how that went. But it is. There's this kind of faith and trust that's like, 
it's, it seems over simple. It's sort of childlike, but it's also really bold to say, God's got this from here. Let's go here and then here. What stood out for me uh, was the phrase, they were constantly in prayer. Mm. Um, so for me personally, it's like a, a challenge and a desire, but it was great to see it as part of this process. It's good. Going by, the mic's going by me. I'll say a quick word. That's how I started my career. Verse uh, 14 really jumped out at me. Uh, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And I'm so grateful that the, the early church, beginning of the church body, that they stuck together. And uh, a second thought was, uh, I saw my mom through many years as I was into drugs and, and all kinds of stuff in my early years and continued. And I don't want to give glory to Satan, but that's, that's how my life was. and. Uh, I saw my mom in fervent prayer where I'd come in two, three in the morning and she'd be in fervent prayer on her knees. And the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. Yep. And even uh, before I took care of my parents, before they died, I took care of both of them. And uh, I was blessed to do that. But she saw that her prayers fulfilled when her, her only son came, came to the Lord. And so I'm so grateful for, for godly women that or on their knees praying for their family and yep. it's just a wonderful thing and it's a sacred thing to me that just women are sacred just, so many things go by the wayside godly women are are uh, far and few between it seems like but still the body of Christ is as we are in unity standing together that's hmm. uh, a good thing that's so good that, powerful story about your mom I like that Uh, according to my own understanding, uh, according to the scripture that we read today, um, just like my brother said there, it's about replacement, hmm. and it's about replacement of uh, readership. And uh, what is so amazing in this uh, uh, scripture, the whole, uh, the whole uh, verses, we see how. Uh, the disciples, they really didn't depend on their own knowledge or their own understanding. They really uh, believe in the power of prayer or intercession, intercession, whereby they knew the Holy Spirit will intercede. And as they knew or they had the revelation that uh, a good reader comes from the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's how uh, that's how I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Here and then here. Or here and then here. So a uh, couple things. For me, uh, choices matter. Hmm. And um, they have consequences. Mm -hmm. So the two men that were chosen um, as possibilities, they had to have been good men. You know, they couldn't have been men that were making bad choices. I don't think they would have even been up for the vote. Yeah. Um, and then when you look at everything that was said about Judas, he made bad choices and he had really horrible consequences from those choices. And I think that's something we also need to learn from just personally in our lives. You know, obviously God forgives everything. 
when you acknowledge that you did something wrong, but it's important to also recognize that choices matter. Yeah, that's good. It's interesting that she talked because I do see your point because I was troubled by the fact that they were so judgmental of Judas when Jesus forgave him and, and had said that he basically said that he was doing what he was meant to be doing. Hmm. You know, that he was critical to the whole process. And, you know, and you're right. He, I mean, it's still a horrible thing, but, yeah. um, but I didn't hear any kind of, well, we're sorry about Judas. It seemed judgmental to me. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think there's, it's a tough line to draw. And actually, you see it. I think if you've been on a retreat, you've heard me teach this a little bit. That almost any point, it's almost at almost any point, the members of the church and recorders of the church and, and recorders of the life of Jesus talk about Judas. They drop this same line. It happens in Luke. It happens in Matthew. It happens in Mark, and it happens in Acts. And you find it here. I'm going to see if I can find it real quick, because Peter actually says it when he goes, oh, right here. Your brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled. This is what you're referencing, in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. So, he's, so Peter's pointing out, like, he did the thing. Like, he's not, it's not like, well, you know, it, uh, it's like, no, you did the thing. Like, you were awful. You did a terrible thing. But then he wraps it up by saying this. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. And literally every time, almost every single time, Judas is mentioned by one of the members of the early church who write things down, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and now Peter in this. They'll say, he was this, yes, he betrayed us, and he betrayed Christ. And then they always add, he was one of our number. He was also one of us. So that's kind of a tough, it's like a, it's, and which is always the case with like betrayal and interpersonal hurt. Can I get an amen? Because that person has done what that person has done. Somebody say amen. There's no, and there's no excusing what some people have done. But there's also the line that we don't want to cross and say, you were never my friend. Ah, they're still a brother. Still a sister. And they can be punks. And they can be bad sisters and bad brothers. But they're still family. That's a tough one. Those are real tough things. It takes the cross. <laughs> Up here. Go ahead. Oh, well, no one's mentioned this, but the whole graphic demise of yes. Judas is intestines spilled out. I, I'm just, well, first of all, I thought he hung himself. And I, it has seemed in past passages, he was more remorseful for what he had done. And this one, well, I, I'm not sure how he threw himself on the field, but it's so uh, shocking. Yeah. So I'm curious why it was in, in Acts, why uh, it was explained this way, his death. Yeah. And then, too, they, they said it was recorded in Psalms. So which Psalms or where was that? So I don't, when, I, when I do this, I don't include the little, little dot reference kind of a thing where it says, you know, here's A, and then A references the psalm. I can, I, I can look it up exactly where it is, but, like, if you look it up in your Bible, you get to that section in, in Acts, it'll point you backwards to the particular psalm. I don't do it for a couple of reasons. One, it just looks nicer on the screen without the numbers and the symbols. It's not how it was originally written. And also, once in a while, someone will read and be like, but, and A parentheses, and we don't want that. Um, <laughs> the th and the thing about Judas really is fascinating because there are these two 
kind of like, and hear me all the way through here, all these two seemingly conflicting stories where like he threw him, like he was thrown headlong. I can look back at the text here. He, the, the, he threw headlong. Uh, with the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field there. He fell headlong. He didn't throw himself. Fell headlong. His body burst open and his intestines spilled out. Like the detail. Like someone's like, I guess I'm going to write that part. Um, the other account is that he went and hung himself. So, a couple things here. One is, um, there are also four Gospels. And there are moments when, like, someone will record, like, the happenings of Jesus in different orders. Because there's, like, a the different, this, this different person wrote the story. The thing happened, and if you have four people bear witness to the same thing, there will be different, like, angles on the same story. Part of what I've heard communicate is that Judas hung himself, and then his body rotted and that when he was found, that that's what it looked like. I don't really know. What I know is, like, this is a, a person's accounting uh, of the thing that happened. And there is, the, there is something to be said for, like, you saw this, I saw this. How do these, all of these things work together? The kind of communal bearing witness. Um, yeah, and the, I, I'm always bothered, this is just me, I'm always bothered by the detail of the thing. Um, and I never really know what to do with it. And even as I was putting this in, I was like, if I don't include the intestines part, I don't know that we'll miss it. But then someone would be like, you didn't put all of the Bible up there. I'm like, I know. The Bible's not always like the nicest read. Like, it's, it's like, it's like this is, but these are the things that happen because it's a, there's human stuff going on. People with bodies and apparently intestines. Here and then in the back. So I'm a little curious about how they handled what seems to be a conflict in scripture. Because in the first part of Psalms, they reference a scripture that says, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. Yes. So that seems to say, okay, he's Leader. gone. We're not going to replace You're 11 him. now, so be 11. We're, yeah, we're 11 now. And then in the next scripture, it says, may another take his place of leadership. So, you know, as Christians, we constantly deal with conflicting scripture. And it's like, how did these guys decide, okay, why not just be 11? We're going to honor the first scripture and forget the second. Or, okay, we're going to replace him. Or we have two perfectly good candidates. Why not just make the number 13 and bring both of them into the fold and we'll have an even bigger ministry? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just don't understand how yeah. they they maneuvered their way through this. And, and it just, that's how we struggle today with, with differing scriptures. It's almost as if, it's almost as if that's the way it is. In other words, it's almost as if, because this is what happened, like when, 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 when the ancient Jews gathered around uh, around the, the the text, this was I mean there's there are like texts on texts on text uh, that that aren't the Torah that are of like the writings of rabbis that sat around and argued for days, weeks, months, years about this is what this means. No, it couldn't mean that. It has to mean this. So they wrote all of it down. They're like it could be inter like interpretively it could mean this, and you've got to do this. And then if you do that, but this guy actually, and here's what this rabbi thinks. And it's almost as if like these kind of like strange conflicts or gaps aren't problems, but they're spaces in which we are called into life together and we have to wrestle with it. How much easier a religion it would be if I could just read it, get it, and never have to show up and talk to anyone about it. But instead, we gather, and we're like, I think it means this. 
And someone else goes, I, it can't possibly mean that. And like, what do you mean it can't possibly mean that? And this moment is so, like, especially this one, and I love, and, and like, like, I love that moment because the one, if they're right next to each other too. It's like, you shouldn't replace him. Also, replace him. You're like, I'm, what? <laughs> and, and, they, and they just talk about this, and they don't even care about the fact these appear to be in conflict with each other. But I think they do insofar as, like, that's part of where the fervent prayer comes from. Okay. Because I think they search the scriptures, and they didn't find a simple answer. Anybody sound familiar to anybody? Yep. They searched the scriptures and they couldn't find a simple answer. And so then they did the next thing, which is they got together and they talked about it. And then they did the last thing where like, they went to the Lord together as a people. I think, and this is really what I think, I think that's what church looks like. It doesn't look like agreement. And I don't even think the Bible allows for that kind of agreement all the time. I think what the Bible does is it calls us into relationship with one another and with God. So I love that you pointed that because like that always comes around me. And like when we get in these things, well, the Bible doesn't always agree with itself. I'm like, well, okay, so what are we going to do about that? How about we get together? Let's say once a week or so. <laughs> and like talk about these things and then decide what it looks like and listen for the voice of Jesus to show up and instruct us directly instead of us like, like living on our own houses, making our own decisions about what God says and then thinking the people across the street are morons. Doesn't that sound better? I love that. Well, well, the things that hit me in the very beginning were what Jan said about constantly in prayer. Yes. And then a sense of when they were trying to decide who the replacement was, the sitting and waiting. Yeah. So a lot of listening and waiting and sitting and trying to hear. Yeah. And um, then my question is, so... We never hear much about Matthias, and I think I've heard teaching that actually Paul became the twelfth disciple. I've heard that. Okay. I mean, so. I think that would come as a shock to Matthias, <laughs> <laughs> who already let me think about, think about this guy's career as, as one of the apostles. He's like, he's like, guys, I have an idea. They're like, well, hold on a second. I mean, you weren't actually called by Jesus, so you'll have your turn, right? Like, no, I think, I mean, people will call him Paul. I think I've heard, like, kind of reference to that. But the, what the scripture communicates is they tried to figure out how do we honor Jesus in the way we move forward. So they searched the scriptures. They came like, well, he called 12 of us. There are just 11 right now. What do we do? And they decided to go with 12 in prayer. and with the, you know. I, I just think it makes it makes the story another level of complexity if yeah. they prayed and waited and picked this guy and God actually had something else in mind which came along later. Yes. Yeah, or added. And so maybe it was kind of all of those things. Maybe there was like suddenly then you've got this person, Paul, and then you do kind of have these 13. This is about uh, the fulfillment of the scripture hmm. whereby Peter is saying, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, this has to come to fulfillment according to David or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I believe anything that was foretold by the disciples or that Jesus or anything, any servant of the Lord, it, I mean, the word of the Lord lives and it comes to fulfillment. Yes. So it doesn't go wasted. Mm. And then on the other side, it's like uh, the wages of sin is death. Because we see the repercussion of uh, Judas. Mm. After whatever he did, he reaped. 
uh, and it's also, this is where we come to ecclesiastic form down there, whereby it says, uh, uh, God is a God of seasons. Uh, there's the sun, there's the, the time to, uh, uh, to reap and to, to harvest. So Judas decided to harvest, I mean to reap sin, and he harvested uh, death. So the wages mm. of sin is death. And as Christians, nobody is perfect, but through the help of the Holy Spirit, we are put together. And the journey of a Christian is only forgiving. Mm. Because like, the, the, like I'm trying to see it at this, uh, in this uh, way. If it were like today, in the political world we are, we are living in, in the different section we are living in, these uh, uh, 11 disciples uh, could have had more judgmental because nowadays instead of like if a brother has a problem mm. or a sister, instead of us uh, 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 trying to comfort or helping that person, we are the first one to point a finger to that person. Mm. So the, 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 the scripture is not only what we are reading here or what we are hearing or what we are sharing. It's more deeper spiritually. Mm. Yes. So, and what is amazing here is like, uh, yeah, it happened. The disciples were saying, yeah, it happened according to the scriptures, but we have to move on. Hmm. So as a church, whatever happened today, we should not hold on what is happening. We should be read by the Holy Spirit and look for better things and live in one unity. And in that way, we enhance growth and love Love, you know, has no boundaries, mm. and it's only love that will move us ahead because we call ourselves the body of Christ. Amen. The body of Christ is not divided. Amen. I love that. It's good. Thank you. So I, I, I promise you, I would tell you, I didn't promise you, I mentioned that I might tell you this story. This is the thing that pops up in my, men, my mind when I read this text. Um, my, uh, here's this picture here. Uh, my son and I, this is not my son, uh, that one, this is my son, that one is not. Um, uh, we love uh, building Legos. We took a trip earlier this summer to Legoland, um, just he and I, and had like the time of our lives. And um, so this is like, I don't know, four, you're nine now. So like three, maybe four years ago, uh, we got this kit. Um, and I don't know if you're into the kits and all that kind of stuff, but we got this kit, the Lego City uh, Desert Rally Racer. This is a great kit. Uh, it was one of his first kits. And uh, we cracked open the kit, and we got started working on it, and we were, you know, 80% done with it. And, and then we, we couldn't find this, like, we got to this, this sort of this page of flipped and like, where's this piece? And we couldn't find that piece. And so, like, sure, we're positive. Like, we had to have lost it, right? Like, it's somehow like, opening the box or opening, the, you know, so we're, like, checking the folds of our clothes. Or, like, we're down <laughs> doing the thing. And if you're a parent and you've done Legos, you know if you've lost a Lego, like, you're down on the carpet, like, looking for anomalies on the carpet anywhere because there's, and then just in for who knows how long. Cannot find this thing. Turns out we're missing two pieces. Like, how do we lose two pieces? And you, are, you may already know this. Once in a while... Uh, Lego will send out a kit with missing bricks. And I don't think they do it on purpose, although who knows. Um, but what I didn't know at the time was that you, if you go to lego.com, there's a whole page dedicated to this where like, you can describe the brick you're missing. 
and they'll just send it to you, the Lego people. The, not that the people, although, I think they're people who work at Lego, but they might be Lego people. <laughs> Mine, actually. It's Emmett, the whole crew. Um, and they say, well, we don't know that at the time. What we know is we're missing these bricks. And so we're both, like, bummed. So we do the thing. We're, you, if you're an Egram 4 and his son, uh, you go to the window and sulk. So we, like, we went to the window, like, literally just got cups of water. We sat down in front of the window, like, sucks. And it's like, we'll never build it. And as I was thinking about the, 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 the bummer of the thing wasn't like, I don't really care that much about the specific kit. It's like, it's the joy and the fun of building Legos. Like, there's just something really enjoyable. Well, we'd built Legos before, and a lot of the times we'd built Legos, we, hadn't, we weren't using a kit. We just have all these, like, old Legos from my youth. And I thought, wait a minute. I, I don't, it's just too much fun to just quit just because we're missing, we're missing two Legos. So... I reach back and I like I start sifting through like these old Legos that I've got for smaller pieces that like might be somewhat similar. They won't be exactly the same thing, but like we start sifting. He says like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "We got to finish this thing." He's like, "Yeah, you got to finish this thing." So now we're sifting through, and as we started like finally, if we use this here, well, they have to remove this part. And like, well, okay, well then have to, and then we move a little bit of the old, you know, the the kit part, and then got another big, and like eventually the thing we built was not, it was not what was designed. Um, it was not, it, it was not the Lego City Desert Rally Racer. It was like some sort of spacecraft slash desert rally thing with a fin on the back and there might have been a shark involved. Um, he, you put a shark on the top. And there, the, there's the, the loss of like, this is the way it was designed. Y'all go with me on this. Like, there's the loss, the sort of like sad part of like, this isn't what we thought it was going to be, but this is really cool because it looks like us. There's a freaking shark on the top of that thing, right? It looked like he and I did it. It didn't look like Lego designed it. That's really cool, but this thing looked like us. We created it. We saw our own fingerprints in it. This question, what do I or what do we have on hand? This, was, this is the question that we, that we had to ask. It, we didn't have all of what we thought we needed. So the question, like what we could have done, it just ended up being like, well, we can't make it. No, you actually can so this moment that you pointed out where it's just like, hey, you know, like we don't know exactly what it is we're going to do. They were driven by this thing. It's like, oh, we, well, well, maybe we, what, what do we have on hand? We don't have Judas anymore. We don't have, think of it, because it's not just they were missing a piece. He was called, we think, the Judas the betrayer, he was called by Christ. Jesus looked at Judas and said, come follow me. Imagine being one of these 11 being like, we, we are missing one of the pieces that Jesus Christ handed to us. And the question they move to is like, okay, we don't have that piece. So what do we have on hand? You know what we do have? Well, we have 11 out of 12, which is like 97%, which is a better score than I got. No, it's 97, it's 93%. Uh, which is a better score than I got on any score, I, uh, you know, in all through high school. Like, they had most of what they left with. And it's like, well, to me, it's like, that's one of the miracles of Jesus. And people, like, he walked on water. I'm like, yes, and he multiplied bread, and he made water. He kept the same 11 friends for three years. Like, that's a miracle. So, 
But they were still, the fact that they were still, can we say it real quick? They were still together after this time. That's something they had. What do we have on hand was the next question. Not what are we going to do about what we're missing. Okay, we know what we're missing. What do we have on hand? Look at the miracles of Jesus over and over again. They often start with what do you have on hand? This guy is blind. What do you have on hand? I got some dirt and some spit. Boom, vision. (laughs) Right? We are out of wine. What do we have? We have dirty foot water. Boom, party. (laughs) Thousands of hungry people. What do you have on hand? This one kid's snack. Jesus constantly calls us to this place where it's like, no, you're not always going to know everything. It's oftentimes, you're oftentimes in life going to have a kit that does not come with all the bricks. Somebody say amen. I wonder if sometimes that's kind of this wonderful divine intervention that says, I've created you to look like me, and I made the world out of absolutely nothing. If you're working with 93% of what you thought you were going to have, you're on a pretty good road, so what do you have left around you? These numbers right here, I keep coming around to. We had 73 out of 75 bricks. That's not bad. They had 11 of the 12 disciples. They also had the original apostles. They also had, did you hear the number? There were 120 people. Part of, part of what the 120 meant, that the vast majority of those people in the 120 would have seen the resurrected Jesus. How easy, by the way, would it have been for that 120 people to think like, this thing is supposed to change the world. There are only 120 of us. But they didn't. What do you have on hand? I'll tell you what we have on hand. We have seen the resurrected Christ. Somebody say amen. And that is more than enough to work with, to take some steps forward. What can I and what can we make of this? This is the thing, this is kind of like the third or fourth iteration of that thing Asa and I made. Um, you know, we've, it's gone through some changes. That's cooler than the one the Lego sent. And it's still in your room. And it's still in your room. I know, I took that picture this morning. With some of the pieces we had left over, because we had to keep pulling pieces away in order to make it look like this, because the piece we had, like, was, like pieces that were from the original kit, we ended up building, uh, not this, although that would be rad, uh, we ended up building those guys. That's cool too. Those are stuff, that's stuff that he and I made. That looks like, I mean, that's fun. This is the kit I want. I really want this kit. I'm gonna go back to this one. I want that kit so bad. It's Calvin and Hobbes. That's Calvin and Hobbes, yes. This question, though, what can I and what can we make of this? Another way to dig into this is we're going to spend just a couple minutes this morning and you're going to actually do this. We're going to do a little practice. What is in your heart and your imagination? There is every reason in the world to believe that um, the way this community looks now and what's coming, like, we didn't plan for this to look exactly this way. There are pieces that are not here that you thought were going to be. Man, that sucks. Can I get an amen? And so what I want to give us permission to do is what Asa and I did. It's like, and we just, we just don't do this real well. Like, give that sadness a moment. Give it a second. Like, when things don't turn out the way you want them to, it's not a choice between, like, just get sad and quit and just get strong and move on. No. Give sadness and grief its moment. Because if you don't, it'll leak its way into everything else. Somebody say amen. 
So take a moment, go to the window and sulk. And then take a breath and turn around and look what you have on hand. Recognize the gift that you already have on hand and then ask the question, so what do we make of what we have on hand? Sometimes God doesn't provide the answer. I would, say, I would suggest a lot of the time God doesn't provide the answer. What God does is provide all of the tools necessary and all of the agencies necessary and all of the love necessary and then says, I have built you into someone who can build things in my name and in your shape. So here's what I want to just for a couple minutes. I'm going to give you like two or three minutes. You're going to turn around and talk to some people around you. You have a long history in front of you. The end of an era has passed. You're in the in-between space. And what's next will have a whole lot to do with, with what's already here and, with, and more to say, like what's already in you. So, what do you want to see? What do you want to see? What do you want this church community to look like 15 years from now? What do you want to see happening? More readings on people's porches. Can somebody say amen? Like, I love this. I'm like, I'm so going to be there. Like, what, is it, what do you want? What do you honestly want? Take that seriously. Because you're one of the 73 pieces. You're part of what comes next. So what's in you? So spend two or three minutes. We might have like a, some music to chat by. Uh, and then I will interrupt you in a few minutes. We'll have a little bit of a powwow about maybe some things you're dreaming of, thinking of. We'll have a discussion, and I'll, uh, we'll pray, and then I'll send you out into the day. So just for a couple minutes, what's in your heart and your mind? What do you want this community to look like? What kinds of things you want to see done? What do you want to be up to? What does this church community look like 15 years from now? Go. You can, you can stay right there. You don't have to move back to your original seat or whatever. So what were some things that popped up in conversation that are worth sharing with the group? Let's wrap this up together a little bit. What'd you talk about? Some stuff that's kind of interesting, a movie that you didn't know about, or like, hey, I never told anybody this, or we've talked about this a bunch, maybe it's time. What'd you talk about? What do you want to see? Well, right here. I just spoke that I, I really love our community outreach aspect of yeah. helping fire people and, and, you know, foster care and, you know, really keep that active. That, you know, the, the people, every, you know, that the world is Outward our community. Focused. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Awesome. What else? Let's go in the back and then we'll come back forward. Well, we shortened it to four or five years back here. Okay. 15 years would be a little bit far for this age group, okay? But <laughs> some of the things, Naomi and Brian make it better, and they want Naomi and Brian to still be here in four to five years, okay? Okay. And they love the community, seeing the people here each Sunday, so they feel part of a community. That's really good. That's very cool. Y'all got called out. What else? Oh, you got volunteered. Yeah. Okay. And then you have to go next then. Um, I was just saying that I would like more of this interactive um, service instead of um, coming every week and listening and sometimes zoning out. This makes me think more. Cool. Awesome. I like that the person who didn't want the mic wants the mic to be passed around. But that's, 
That's good. What else? A couple more. Yeah. Um, so I was sort of wondering as we went through all this whether God really cared whether they had 11 or 12 or 13. <laughs> you know, I mean, did, did he really, what, where, what was it? Was this his number or did they just kind of go, okay, well, we'll go with 12, you know? Yeah. Seemed like a good number before, we'll just go with that. Yeah. But the, the reason I kind of ask that question is I don't know whether, how much God cares about where we go as much as how we go. Amen. Um, and, good. and so in the, in the process of what these guys were doing, they were praying continuously. Yeah. And I think kind of, that's what God cared about. Yeah. So when we look at our church, I really want us to think about how we go and care less about where we go. I love that. And I'm with you. I, I think a lot of the times when we feel that urgent, I don't know, and we take it to the Lord, because if the Lord's a good father, what's a good father sound like, right? If the Lord's a good father, I feel like we, oftentimes we take these urgencies, we, these big I don't knows to the Lord, and we say, like, I, I, I want to get this right. Help me see this straight. And I think the Lord oftentimes says, I love that you asked me. Because that says so much about who you are. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I love that you asked me. Because I know that you have me in your mind, in your heart. What do you want to do? I'll go with you. I love the ministry of Second Saturday that my brother hosts. And it has been so helpful to me. And I'd love to see more of the church in it participate. And I have plans with publishing books that I think will be helpful to many people. And I'd love to have kind of more connection with other people at church in that. That's cool. I love that. It's good. Anything else before we wrap all the way up? Over here. You passed it all the way in for me. Sure. I has been and I, we've, we met here <laughs> years and years ago. And um, this is a great place. And for me, I guess my heart, I'm not going to speak for my husband, but I think he's very similar, is... Um, you know, so many people that will never come into this building, and yet they need Christ, and they need, um, I think about how wonderful my life is. Once I became a Christian, it was like, I was like, da 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 and then at 23, it was like, da 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 you know, because Christ in anyone's life is going to make it better, and um, for me, there's that struggle of, gosh, I know this neighbor, and I know this friend, and they'd come to my house, but they... They won't come into this building. And so I guess that's my where I'm torn right now. For me, I love Bay Marin. I always have. It's not a controlling place for anybody who doesn't know it. <laughs> it's a wonderful place to be yourself and figure out your relationship with God. And it's amazing. Um, and I think the leadership for that all these years. Um, but for me, I do have this other part of me that really wants to see people experience this. But... Maybe it needs to be in my home or, mm. you know, and, and so I think um, my heart is that in 15 years, Marin County may have a bigger Bay Marin, which is great, but I believe, I hope for also uh, just a, more people following Christ and whether they're in this building or in someone's home or in a park or wherever, you know, oh, that's, that's my good. heart. That's great. You got it. 
Hit it. Uh, as for me, I could say, I would love to say, or I could, ha I have a vision or a dream for the growth of this uh, church or this uh, house of the Lord. I would love to see a great congregation. And uh, the only way we can move forward is going out there, uh, having a, a reach out our programs or even going to the street and evangelizing or talking about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Because I know there are so many people outside there who has never heard, mostly here in the county that we are living in, who has never heard about the good news. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter because it, it takes a while for a plant to grow and you have to plant the seed and you have to give it time to germinate. Mm -hmm. So wherever we are in our dwellings, in our in our, in, our, in our place of work or in our homes. It's good to reach out to our neighbors or to anybody on the street. It doesn't matter how they react as long as we are trying. And I'm sure out of 10, we will get to by the grace of God. Mm -hmm. So if we all keep on praying all the time and committing everything in prayer, I believe and still I, I believe uh, God is hearing uh, the desires of our heart, and he's a good God. He's going to fulfill it, and we're going forward. Amen. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and digging in. Um, let's pray for a moment before we do this last song and go to communion. It can be easy uh, to notice missing things, uh, I pray that you continue to give us the eyes to see all that we have. And thank you for the great gift that you are to this community of people and therefore the great gift this community of people is to one another. That they would continue to offer themselves to each other and as has been stated multiple times, offer themselves as a community to the world that does not, won't ever show up in the same space. You're good. You've always been good. You've started to work here. You'll bring it to completion. That's a promise you've made. 